Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's an entrepreneur and the CEO and founder of Beanie and Blazer. It's Brandon Walker. How are you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm excited to learn more about your Rise of the Challenge. What we do with all of our guests is we go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? I grew up in uh, a town called Aurora, Ohio, outside of Akron, Cleveland area. Um, grew up playing a lot of basketball. Uh, that was my big passion from childhood through my teen years and into college. Um, but yeah, I grew up pretty typical life, public schools, um, you know, parents, brother, all that good stuff. Uh, nothing too crazy. What brought you to basketball? Was it a person that you liked watching or was it just like the skills that you could learn on the court? I, I'm six foot five, so I have a natural, you know, inclination towards sports that I can leverage my height, but um, there was just something about it that really clicked for me early on. Um, it was the sport, it was the, uh, it was something that I was naturally pretty good at, so that feeling of like attention and being good at something really perpetuated it throughout, um, you know, my youth and teenage years. Was there any motivations, inspirations you had growing up? as far as basketball goes anything just in general yeah i think um you know a lot of a lot of role models and and external factors that were based in sports early on were a lot of my primary motivators um but as i got older and connected more with coaches or people in my specific network as i learned more about entrepreneurship and business uh having other people sort of who have carved paths out before has been a big part of um, my path, just leaning into that sort of advice and guidance. What's the biggest thing you learned about yourself growing up? I think, um, a lot of the lessons weren't learned until I was in my twenties, like stuff from my teens didn't quite stick, you know, everything you like have to learn it a few times before it really resonates. And so I think, um, you know, one, just being comfortable with who I am, not trying to project or be overly funny or try to fit in with a particular social schema. Um, that was really impactful. And uh, just having confidence in you know, what I'm naturally good at and trying to build on my strengths and not, you know, be detracted too far by my weaknesses. Um, that was something that's been really impactful to get comfortable leaning into. Growing up, was the self-confidence not there or like you said that it didn't really make a big impact until in your 20s where you kind of realized these things were happening? I think um, I had self-confidence in terms of like I would do stuff without totally knowing what I was doing and just try and figure it out. Um, but I didn't have like I had the insecurities and socially right like I didn't quite know where I fit in and so I would try to like wear different hats and be a chameleon with different friend groups and so that wasn't until my 20s where I was just like all right I'm gonna do me and whoever the people are that I gravitate towards and attract great otherwise I'm not gonna try and you know mold my personality uh, or the way I behave to fit in with a particular stratification I think a lot of people can relate to that, especially myself with the whole trying to find where you fit in as I was a person that I was not the normal type of person where I was kind of like a unique in a way. And I knew that my true friends were going to be the people that could 
understand who I am as a person. And I don't talk to many people from high school, which kind of, to me, it kind of benefits because maybe they weren't my friends or the real people because after that, usually you want to talk to them. But I was always trying to find who I am and fit in. But then as I got older, I'm kind of like, I can't do that anymore. I got people are going to accept me for who I am as a person. And I want those people to be around me for the future. I, uh, I love that. I had a mentor teach me this phrase. It's, it's uh, reason, season, lifetime. And the idea is some people in our lives uh, are there for a particular reason, right? Like there's a goal that you're trying to accomplish. There's a, a thing that you're trying to learn, whatever. And somebody is there to help make that transition. People are in your life for a season. So whether that's a romantic relationship, a friendship, you know, a mentor, and then there are people who are going to be there for a lifetime who are the ones that you really want to bond to and make sure you're pouring a ton into those relationships. And I think like, once you sort of get comfortable with the fact that not every person that you're going to connect with is going to be somebody that is going to be there with you through thick and thin for the long run, it takes a lot of pressure off of socializing. And so like, yeah, whether it's people from high school or college or, uh, you know, different communities that you know, church, school, whatever that you're a part of, it's nice to know like, okay, cool. Maybe they are still my friends or acquaintances, but like, I know their seasons or their reasons. Um, that that was really helpful for me in ca characterizing people. What was that dream job that you were wanting? We all have that. We want to be this or this. So what was that for you? Uh, for me, it's always been to become an entrepreneur um, and to have my own startup company, uh, be able to run my own thing, own the goods, the bads, the uglies, um, a little bit non-traditional. Uh, but I have a, a video that a home video from first grade. Uh, the teacher asked what I want to be when I grow up. And I say an entrepreneur. Um, and so that's literally been a goal of mine since I was a little kid. Was that mindset that you were going to do anything to become an entrepreneur and maybe not let anything stop you from reaching your goals? Yeah, I think <clears throat> like sort of like I was talking about earlier, the balance of self-confidence and insecurity and where those things play into one another. Um, I think it's easy to say, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur and you jump in head first and you have no idea what you're doing. And that's actually a really high risk proposition. Like you may either go broke or, you know, lead people in the wrong direction, lead investors astray. It can be, it's a high risk endeavor. And so um, for me, I knew I wanted to get some experience and mentorship from somebody who has been an entrepreneur before. And so that's where I spent my early 20s is in education, uh, you know, trial by fire. Uh, but that being said, I always knew that the outcome was to ultimately learn enough to go do my own thing. So I do think it's been um, a, a core motivator and driver for me um, for my college and adult years specifically. So talk about that next transition going and pursuing education in college. What was that path like for you? Um, I played basketball. Um, my freshman year of college, to, um, I got a scholarship for basketball. But while I was there, um, I started a bike taxi company, you know, one of those pedicab things, and took people doing brewery tours and hired a couple guys from the college to, to run tours for me. And once I really got immersed in that, I ended up leaving the basketball team to double down on business stuff. 
Um, and then I ended up transferring after my sophomore year. I moved to uh, North Carolina from Michigan. And that was how I ultimately ended up meeting the folks from Untapped and got involved with that business. Um, but yeah, the path to school was initially bred from basketball. Did you kind of see that maybe basketball wasn't going to get you where you want and knew that I had to look at what was the best option for me and make that commitment? Yeah, I, I definitely thought going into college that I would probably play basketball professionally overseas for a period after I graduated from college, um, you know, and keep playing the sport that I love, experience a new country and culture. Uh, you don't get paid a ton doing that, but you get to experience a lot. Um, and then as I further explored entrepreneurship, there was sort of this fork in, a ro in the road that was, okay if I sort of cast my vision out three, five years, which one is going to facilitate more of, you know, what I, what I want lifestyle wise. And ultimately it became, you know, the entrepreneurial stuff outweighed the basketball at that point. So when you made that transition, North Carolina, did you kind of have that starting uh, where maybe I don't want to finish the college education and want to go right into the business world? Yeah, I ended up dropping out after my uh, junior year of college um, and joining with a startup. So uh, the opportunity to be a part of something that I thought had a lot of potential in the early days um, seemed more valuable than finishing school at the time. And so uh, fortunately, that ended up paying off. The company did really well, and it was a really fun ride to be a part of. Um, but yeah, it was. it's sort of like anytime that I make a decision, you know, you're assessing the cost, both in terms of time and money and labor and effort versus the value of the return. So you're thinking ROI, it's like on a fulcrum almost, right? And yeah. so as the value of a decision starts to tip the scales and outweighs the potential risk, you move on that action. And so for me, it's like, okay, you can drop out of school having a semester and a half, or excuse me, a year and a half left. I can always go back, right? Um, but I'll, I'll never have this opportunity with this company at this point again. And the risk of missing out on that is real world experience and potential financial upside and et cetera. So for me, it became an easy decision to, to drop out. Did you have that support system with you on making that decision or did you kind of have to kind of be selfish in a way and look at what's best for me? Good question. Um, my, my parents, I would say it was somewhere in between, like, uh, at the time I was just really starting to demonstrate a level of maturity that I hadn't in high school and in college. Um, and so they were, they were like cautiously optimistic, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, if you have a degree that at least you have that piece of paper that you can adhere on a resume. So it's, it is some sort of security long-term. So they were really excited by the potential of me going and doing this. They bought into the fact that I could go back to school if I needed to, but um, it's not like they were immediately turned on to the idea of me at, you know, 19, 20 years old, dropping out and joining this company that they had never heard of and the, this entrepreneur they'd never heard of. So there was, and, and very quickly, once uh, I and the company started demonstrating that Hey, this is, this is real. We can handle this. It looks like it's going to work. They became super supportive and doubled down and have been amazing um, family and friends for me. 
So how did you find out about Untapped? Was it from like searching it on the internet or did they come to you and find this opportunity for you? I had known about the app. Uh, so Untapped for folks who are unfamiliar, it's a social media platform for beer drinkers. So we call it for, it's like Facebook for beer. So you can check in at different locations. We, you can earn badges for different beers that you've had and, and types of bars and restaurants that you've visited. So it's a really fun way to log what beers you've had um, in places that you visited. And so I knew of the app as a user, um, but didn't know anything about the back story logging beers that I had because I was doing that Eddie Cab brewery tour thing and so I, I started enjoying craft beer and um, it wasn't in, in Wilmington uh, in North Carolina where I live it's a relatively small town there's a small but growing entrepreneurial community and so embedding myself in that community I got to know who the entrepreneurs in town were that were doing stuff and there was a company called Next Glass that ultimately ended up acquiring Untapped. I had started with Next Glass as an intern um, when I was 20. And that was when Untapped came into the fold was through an acquisition. And then we started growing that business uh, with that initial team that I had joined at Next Glass. So working as an intern, did you kind of have some doubts? Like, I don't know where this is going to go or were you all all in and wanting to see it grow and see how far you can get with it. I was, I was all in, like, I think a few things being entrepreneurially minded, it's most of us have a ridiculously optimistic outlook on things like whether it's trusting in your ability to problem solve or just believing in universality and karma that things just work out if you put in the work and have good intentions Whatever it is, I just, I like to believe that things can, you, you, you look for the good, not the bad. And so uh, I was really excited by it. And I personally can become pretty obsessive on things. And so once I had my teeth sunk into that and I realized how much fun it was for me, I became single track minded and was really like um, insistent and persistent on making it, making it work. Um, so yeah, once I got in as an intern, you know, I looked for any avenue I could to get more deeply involved, come on full time and have more responsibilities and leadership opportunities. How high within the company did you get with Untapped? Uh, when I left, I was senior vice president of sales. So and talk that, about that role in a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, so starting off, you know, we basically what I did and what our team did was we sell software to bars, restaurants, breweries, liquor stores. So for the, for consumers, the untapped app is always free, but for businesses, they pay to be able to market their products and their events and stuff to the users on the platform. And so I was tasked with writing the scripts and setting up the software for us to be able to actually start selling to these businesses and so um, in the early days, it was me cold calling Canadian pubs, uh, you know, trying to sell our software and getting feedback on that. And by the time that I left, uh, we had a team of 45 salespeople with, you know, managers and directors underneath me and um, sales operations people. And so my role went from a lot more of like, doing the actual selling to managing a really big team that ultimately led our revenue growth. Um, and so untapped was 
you know, named to the Inc 500 list of the 500 fastest growing companies in the country. We, we were on the top 250 three years in a row. Uh, we won awards for our company culture. It just, it transitioned from being a, an operator to being a strategist and a leader. When you were in the role of managing people, what made you a great effective leader? Um, well, thank you for assuming that I, I'm a, an effective <laughs> leader. I appreciate that. Uh, so I think, you know, one of the things we did at Untapped, and this is part of the reason why I ultimately started Beanie and Blazer, is um, we took a pretty unique approach to management. So instead of in, in a typical sales environment, it's like, okay, you can make, let's say, $80,000, $100,000, whatever the number is, you just sell your ass off plug in, do the job and go make this money. Now to, in today's world, whether it's like millennials or geography, you know, looking for work life balance, people aren't as heavily incentivized by making more money. A lot of people really value having work life balance and being able to make a good living, but prioritizing other things like the company culture and family and relationships, et cetera. So we set up a training program that trained people on how to be like holistically um, well, like well off. And so thinking about things like we would train on sleep and relationships and habits and goal setting and personal self-talk. And when you start training people on a lot of this stuff that doesn't have anything to do with software or sales, more positive and the positivity bleeds into their work at untapped and it makes the team culture stronger. And so us taking that approach on leadership and management, I think was um, creative and uh, gave us, it, it made us a much, much stronger team. And so um, I like to think that I played a role in us uh, leading the company that way. Actually, as you're describing that, I kind of like that approach in a way, kind of like look at the different areas outside of the work that they do, but like the person themselves. And if they're able to help in those areas that you'll see like better results when they get into the office and stuff. Cause I know with some of the companies I've worked with, we don't see that. They kind of just, you're here to work. You better do the right thing, go home you're on your own in a way. And it kind of looks at the, you guys are getting more involved in the relationship with the, your workers, which is a great field. And it shows like being an effective leader is you're coming up with a concept that many companies don't do and you're seeing the results happen. Yeah. Thanks. Um, it was a, it was a lot of fun, you know, building out that curriculum and seeing people develop and grow from 22 year old entry level salespeople to whether they're professional position, they got promoted or you just see their lives start improving through some of the material that was really, really gratifying for me as a leader. So during this time with untapped, did you ever have that thought? Maybe I should go back to college or maybe do both at the same time, do like online school just to get that paper that we all talk about. Nope. Um, I, I've sort of come to the opinion that at this point with as much experience as I have, and since my intention is to be an entrepreneur right from here on out now, if I, if I'm building my own companies and hiring my own people, it doesn't matter if I have a degree, right? Like whatever I, I have the outcome that I wanted. 
in the event that I fail as an entrepreneur and have to go get a job with another company, you know, like I, I have to go join the, the workforce as an employee at that point, I would be really turned off by a company that values that piece of paper more than my actual experience and what I'm able to bring to the table. And so I sort of use that as a proxy or a filter to decide who I would want to engage with. So if I'm in an interview and they're like, Hey, Brandon, you're great, but you don't have a degree. It wouldn't be the right company for me to be a part of anyways. Would you say for entrepreneurs, they look at more of the work or the experience out in the real world than trying to learn everything from a textbook kind of thing. They get the more benefit from getting out there and really diving deep into the mud. Yeah, I think um, you can you can learn by learning or you can learn by doing. And so learning by learning is, you know, you watch a ton of YouTube videos, you read books, you see tutorials and demos, and there's a lot of room for that. Like when you're researching and trying to get your head around a subject, but when it comes to like deep learning, you have to accumulate scar tissue. And the way that you do that is by having experience, failing, experience, failing, experience, failing, experience. Oh, I got it right that time. And when you can learn things by, you know, you burn your finger and you know not to touch the stove, it helps you build a perspective on the world that is yours, not what case studies or textbooks are going to tell you about it. And being able to actually own that knowledge yourself through experience is way more deeply embedded as an educational tool. Um, but the, or, and you're actually building stuff in the real world. And so there's value being created, not just an ingestion of information. I can totally relate. I feel that I got more experience and better understanding of the knowledge and the information from actually doing it than reading about it. Because when I can take the situation and use it in my daily life. I know what I did wrong, what I did right, what can I improve? We're always doing those analysis in a way, but when we're mm -hmm. just writing it in a whole piece of paper on a homework or an essay, you're not really getting that understanding because you're just going on the internet, Googling everything. So I kind of, it's kind of like we all have that entrepreneurial side of us on how we are able to take that information and learn from it. I think that's super true. There's a stat that I learned recently that in a traditional college uh, class, only 12 to 15% of the material that is taught is actually retained. Like the model's so broken, like lecture, homework, lecture, homework, lecture, quiz, or, or test, students are actually only retaining after a few months 12% of the material that they're learning. So when you think about how inefficient that is, there's a lot of room for the way education is done in general to be improved that forces people to do more exercises and application-based learning um, because that's what makes stuff stick. And again, there's value being created. I, I, can, I can agree to that. I don't even remember half the stuff that I learned in college now. No, no. <laughs> it's, the classes, it's, I'm like, what did I even learn? Like that, it, but it goes with that 10, 15% is retained, but it's like, it's kind of like one of those things where we, we retain the things we want to know and then we don't retain the things we don't want to know, like yep. classes. So how did you know that it was ready for the next transition after Untapped? When did you kind of start thinking, what's next for me? Um, I, 
last autumn, um, or I've had the idea now for Beanie and Blazer for or the initial version of it came into my head last uh, April. So it's been what, 16 months now when I initially had the seed planted and it's evolved a lot from what that initial idea was. But um, it was last autumn going into the winter where I was sort of just craving more responsibility and ownership uh, with the work that I was doing. I felt like I had been leading the sales effort for a long time. I had learned a lot from it and I wasn't continuing to grow in the way that I uh, like to. My comfort zone wasn't being pushed. And that makes me always start to feel a little bit squirrely or uneasy or restless. And so um, I started seeking out opportunities within the company to try and have more, uh, not even upward mobility, but just lateral responsibility. Mm -hmm. And, um, Ultimately, this spring, I was offered, you know, the opportunity to step up and have a more senior level position, which was wonderful. Uh, and then the company exited to uh, a growth equity firm, which is going to help Untap continue to grow and bring in more resources to go internationally and have some other cool uh, features to the platform. And when that happened, leadership is changing. Uh, the company structure starts evolving to be a little bit more corporate. And it just felt like a really natural inflection point for me to go pursue my entrepreneurial dreams uh, instead of, you know, staying on board that company as it continued to grow and change in the way that it's operated day to day. Did you kind of have that thought of I'm taking a huge risk by starting right at the beginning of creating this company? Or did you know that I'm going to do all I can to make it work? Um. I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. Like, yeah, it's definitely high risk and I'm going to do whatever I need to, to make this happen. And so, uh, I'm very fortunate. I've been able to build a strong team around me who, um, help complement my weaknesses. And, um, I feel really good about what we're doing. Um, and I'll obviously, uh, be helpful for listeners. We can explain what Beanie and Blazer is, but I think that, coming off of COVID, uh, like there, there are a few things that are in our favor. One COVID has provided a lot of time for people to self reflect and figure out what it is that they want to do next in life, more time to just think than we've had ever. And so with that, a lot of people are looking for groups of people or communities to help them make the changes that they want to make in their lives. And that's a good opportunity for us to be helpful. Uh, the education system is obviously changing. We've touched on this a little bit, but traditional college, the um, you know higher education bubble, and the uh, the influx of alt, alt education stuff like Mind Valley or um, MasterClass or Coursera, some of those programs. There's a lot of trends meeting that make us feel confident in the type of platform that we're creating for education and community. So with Beanie and Blazer, how did you come up with that name? Um, so I went on a, uh, a crazy adventure dirt biking trip in Mexico. Um, it was a really scary, uh, mind-expansive adventure for uh, five days with a group of guys. It was my first time ever being on a dirt bike was going on this epic adventure. And while I was on the trip, I got my ass kicked. Like I crashed a whole bunch and... Um, we had, we had an amazing time, but I came back a little bit battered. And so while I was out there, I was like, man, there's something about going for adventures that really open up your perspective 
live and help you ingrain new habits and ideas and beliefs. And so the idea behind Beanie, Beanie represents mindset. It represents adventure. It's getting out of your comfort zone, doing atypical things for the sake of learning. And then Blazer represents application. Like once you learn these new things, you go and apply them back into your job, your family, um, et cetera. So the idea is that juxtaposition of learning and implementing adventure, application, et cetera. For someone that maybe does not know what Beanie and Blazer is, if you had to sum up the company in like a sentence or two, what is your mission that you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, so we can we define ourselves as a lifestyle engineering company. And so it, what a lifestyle engineer is, is it's somebody who uh, creates experiments and lives their life in a way that ensures that their their value set is being represented in the actions that they take. And so what we do is we train aspiring high performers. So people who want to better embody their personal values, want to step up their game professionally, personally in relationships. We give them a lot of tools, tricks rooted in neuroscience um, and fundamental ways of looking at things that help them integrate their values and their habits together so they can live a more fulfilled life. And our mission is to do that at scale for millions of people. Do you work with more individuals or businesses um, that are a part of your program? So right now we work, it's all consumer facing. Um, so we're launching our first product uh, in November. It's called the Mindset Accelerator. And that's a six-week program. Uh, it's me, um, a PhD of neuroscience and neurology at the UNLV School of Medicine and um, an executive coach. We wrote the curriculum for the six-week program. Um, we accepted 12 students into the beta. And uh, the idea is to train them on how to become high performers, again, through the lens of their values. Um, so that is our first push, is uh, spinning up that program for people at a bigger scale. Do you guys communicate with these people on a weekly basis or a daily basis? And what are, what are you trying to get out of these people to find in themselves? Um, so the interactions will be, you know, a lot of live videos and pre-recorded videos, one-on-one -on -one coaching workshops. So there are a lot of touch points with the individuals going through the program. Um, and I think we know if it's successful, if by the end of it, we have seen people get clarity of their purpose in life. You know, like a lot of us go through the motions. You and I talked about this a little bit from the moment that we're born, we're being conditioned. So our parents, our school system, our community, our church, our, you know, uh, college experience, all of that makes up this belief system that's loosely called the American dream of how you're supposed to live, what you're supposed to value. And the idea is a lot of people have midlife crises or feel really dis disassociated from um, life later on because they haven't taken the time to establish their own set of values. They're still living by those that have been projected onto them by other people. And so we want to bring clarity of purpose where you're very intentionally understanding who you want to be, how you want to get there. Um, so that's part one. Uh, we help people build tribes. So surrounding themselves with mentors and supporters to help them on their path to success for themselves. We start helping integrate that into their lives and we help folks with time management and productivity. So it's a matter of 
hey, how am I managing my schedule? How am I reflecting on my day-to-day and making sure that I'm optimizing that pursuit of my goals and my values? For the things that you teach and use with these individuals, are you using the same concepts in your daily life? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, like anybody else, all of us have this idea of who we are now and who we want to be. All of us have this, right? And so there's, there's always going to be this gap between like point A where I am and point B where I want to be. And what happens is some people get really uh, anxious and overwhelmed and frustrated with themselves because I want to be this person and I'm not this person. Then there are other people who say, okay, I'm proud of the person that I am. I know I have a lot of room to grow, but I'm going to enjoy the struggle and the process to continue growing. And so like anybody else, I, I'm not perfect. I, it's not like I do everything a hundred percent right all the time, but this ideal version myself very much embodied in this program. And I do integrate these habits and these tools uh, that again are rooted in neuroscience best practices. They're done by entrepreneurs and athletes and uh, business people. Um, So yeah, the idea is just staying positive about where you are and understanding that the journey is the whole point. And that's really uh, what's fun about life. Is there any concepts or business models that you took from your previous experience that you are using with your company today? Yeah, definitely. So I think like the most obvious one is I was training salespeople on a lot of these things and the outcome was to be a better salesperson. I'm using a lot of those same trainings and, and methodologies only instead of trying to make people better salespeople, I'm trying to help them live in alignment with their values. So what that means to you is going to be very different from me is going to be different from Sam and Jody and whomever. And so we're trying to make it a more universally applicable program. Um, but then from a business perspective, like, yeah, how you do financial models and how you sell the platform and build the website and all of that stuff I've, I've learned in the past from my experience at untapped. So it's impossible to, to cleave the two apart from one another. So the one thing on the show is we always talk about the journey that we're all going on and what we've learned about ourselves at the position that you're in today. What's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself? As we talk about when we get to college, what we've learned about ourselves, that first job, what we learned about ourselves. Now where you are today, what is something new you've learned? Yeah, man, I think like, you know, thinking about rising to the challenge, that that probably means something different for a lot of people, right? Like, it's almost like we talked about the reason season lifetime. The challenge could be, I'm going to run this marathon. The challenge could be, I'm going to beat this cancer. Uh, the challenge could be, I'm going to be my best self. Like it's, you, you can take it and repackage it in a lot of different ways. Right. Um, but all of those things have some underlying characteristics that are consistently going to be true. So rising to the challenge means you're resilient. You have grit, you know, you are uh, perseverance, you are positive, you're uh, communicative, like there are some fundamentally true things about being able to rise to a challenge. And um, one of the most important things that I've learned about myself or for people in similar positions is 
you have way more in the tank than you think you do. Like the, the human spirit can stretch and is so malleable. And I don't just mean that in terms of you're able to work a hundred hours a week. If you want to, it's not even necessarily about just being more productive. It's a matter of, you know, the way that your habits can be changed or the people that you surround yourself with or the amount of effort that you put in or your discipline, all of that can be controlled. It's just a matter of focus and energy and, um, you know, willingness to accept ownership. And so me placing a new lens on some of those subjects has been really powerful and me really stepping into the shoes of the buck stops with me mentality uh, via entrepreneurship. It kind of goes back to what we talked about with the reflection where COVID has brought a time to do self-reflection in a way. And when you talked about the focus and what lens you'll look at and how you're going to look at it, I've done the same thing with, I'm doing that self-reflection now where what's important to me, what do I want to maybe change or maybe restructure in a way to help me be more positive, be more productive in a way. And I've made some of those sacrifices and did it hurt? Yes, but I know that it's going to keep me going on that positive track and going in the right direction. And like we said, with the seasons and people talking, those people may come back in my life, but we just need to take a break from it right now. It's not like I'm not going to forget about those people. It's just at this timing right now, it's just what's best for us at the moment. Exactly. I think relationships are such a good one to point to as being something that's hard to change, but is like really critical to keep growing. And the analogy I always use is it's like, okay, pretend, pretend the path to like being Alex, like full blown Alex, full embodiment of your self expression. Let's say that you're, you're climbing a mountain, right? Like your path to success is you were trying to summit this mountain, having people in your life who are, are toxic don't support and energy think about it as having a shit ton of extra gear that you don't need like yes you can keep going up the mountain but you don't need to bring bricks on the trip with you right so every every extra pound of luggage that you have on your back while you're climbing is going to make the climb that much harder that much more exhausting and so when you when you apply that to you being Alex, just the cognitive and emotional load of having to manage relationships with people who may not be privy to some of the stuff that you're working on or your ambitions, or every time you talk, you feel drained from having that conversation. Like you said, it's not necessarily a matter of you just snip it all together and say you're out, but it's putting boundaries around it. Like, okay, I'm not gonna let myself get sucked into these types of conversations we're only going to talk about these subjects. I'm not going to get into politics, like whatever the things are that you need to protect your headspace and not carry those extra bricks with you is really effective and and starting to, you know, lighten the load, so to speak. I think a lot of people listening to this episode will know the same meaning of what's holding them back going up that mountain. What do they need to do to maybe change that? And they're learning with us talking about what do they need to do next in that self-reflection. So what does the future look like for you personally and professionally? Uh, I think, you know, 
as far as the business goes for us, it's continuing to pour into our students, get the first product launched. We have our podcasts and our essays, and we're continuing to learn about our marketing and our educational approach. And so it's just building the business is single track minded for me. Um, and then personally, I'm hoping to you know move to a new city early next year. And so I'm exploring and trying to find some areas that would be uh, fun for me to move to. Talking about your podcast, I watched a video of you, I think on your podcast, and you kind of talked about the why with everything. Like if someone asks you the question and you answer, and then it's like, why did you think that way? And then you continue that. What's the goal with the podcast? What do you want a listener to learn from that? And I enjoyed that video that I watched because it kind of made me think, why am I responding in those ways? Why am I thinking in those terms? It kind of does, it's kind of all about that reflection in a way. Yeah, so the, the five whys was initially uh, from Toyota. Like they did that to try and solve problems with their lean manufacturing. And then I've sort of like, you know, piggybacked and called it the seven whys and repurposed it for like psychology and, and real motivations for people. Um, so yeah, that clip, I love that because it's just showing how, you know, a person owning a Tesla, you can have an opinion about that or a judgment on that, but there is a real root reason why somebody owns a Tesla or lives in a certain type of house or something. And so understanding a person's true objective or true motivation helps you better be able to empathize and connect with them. Um, and so it's a really powerful tool just to like process through who a person really is. Um, as far as our objectives with the podcast, it's a lot of these concepts that we talk about and train on our, uh, are uh, either new ideas that we're coming up with or it's leaning into you know, stuff from stoicism and philosophy and neuroscience and chemistry. And we, we like to play in a lot of different arenas. And the podcast is a mechanism for us to learn uh, publicly and also to share information with people so they, are, they can benefit from some of these lessons that we've learned or studied through clients or, um, you know, research. And uh, ultimately, you know, from the business's perspective, we want those podcasts and those essays to attract people into our ecosystem. So ultimately, they become customers and part of our community. So the hope is they're attracted with the information and they want to be more deeply invested with us. For someone that's getting into the entrepreneurial industry, what tips or advice would you give them to rise to their challenge in that industry? Uh, find mentors. Um, I think it's really easy to have an ego uh, and say, I can figure this out or um, you know, thinking that other people wouldn't be interested in helping, not wanting to be a burden. One of the first exercises I always make people go through is to come up with a list of a hundred people who would be uh, like if, if you could just have three wishes and one of these people is my mentor or my friend, find a hundred people, like get really aggressive, you know, like, uh, Bill Musk put them on there, put Michael Jordan there and then, you know, have a list of a hundred people and try and get their email addresses, send cold messages and try to get mentorship. And if you send a hundred of these, you know, let's say five or 10, turn it, you get responses. And then three of those, you get a phone call. And of those, you land one amazing mentor that you never would have gotten otherwise. A lot of people look at that and say, 
well, shit, that's a lot of work to land one person. But what if that one person can change your entire life, your business, et cetera? So prioritizing mentorship, I think, is really, really important. Um, and then the other thing is go fast. Like learn quickly, fail fast, um, because it's easy to want to be a perfectionist. But what's perfect to you may not actually be marketable and people may not care about it. So all that extra time you're spending on stuff, trying to make it exactly as you want it may just be overkill. So ship it, try to go fast and then um, learn from your customers and adjust as you need to. I think those are really important characteristics for aspiring entrepreneurs. I think that mentorship um, message that you gave is perfect because I think a lot of people have doubt that oh, I'm not going to hear a response. And it's kind of like for me, even with this show, I want to try to reach out to as many people as possible. And I can't regret not being able to send that message. I would rather take the no than not try at all. So, and I like that because I've been able to find those people that helped me um, become a better podcaster, become a better marketing person. And it's just going to help me grow as an individual. So it's one of those things that you have to put yourself out there in a way and go for it. You can't say, I don't want to do this. You got to say, let me try and do this. Exactly. And good for you, man. That's awesome. You've done that intuitively. Thank you. The final question I want to ask for, for someone that's listening to this interview from your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give someone to overcome their obstacles, to accomplish their goals and to rise to their challenge? I think, um, so we already touched on this a little bit, but number one, in my opinion, is understanding what your values are. So there are, there are values and there are anti-values and there are multiple levels of it. There are ones that are conscious and there are ones that are subconscious, but all of those values, whether it's your coping mechanisms or your proclivity for exercise or how engaged you want to be with friends and family and relationships, the way that we feel about these things dictates how we behave for good or for bad. And a lot of people, like I said earlier, just sort of go through the motions and don't take the time to reflect on that. Having that clarity of what are the things that drive you, good, bad, or otherwise, whether you're moving away from fear or in pursuit of something that is really cool or exciting to you, knowing what your values and anti-values are, I think is the most important first step. Because if you think about it, that dictates the type of romantic relationship you should be in based on your values for marriage and, um, you know, living in one spot, it dictates the type of work that you should be doing to feel fulfilled, whether it's financially or culturally, or like with work life balance, it dictates the type of, you know, um, programs or groups that you sign up to be a part of. It just, it has so many trickle down effects. If you think about it and filter your life through that lens, so going through that exercise first, I think it's really important. And then it's number two is understanding that any challenge that you're trying to overcome, it's, it's going to be an ebb and a flow. So you're going to, it's, it's a little bit bipolar. You're going to feel really good some days, like you're on top of the world and you're, you're on a mission and you're making it happen. And then other days you're just going to feel like you got kicked in the gut. And why am I doing this? This is a waste of time. Nobody's watching. Nobody's paying attention. Whatever that, those, those scripts are that we start running in our head. And so coming up with ways, and we teach a lot of this, right? But coming up with ways that you can maintain that, that positive orientation for exceptionalism and what I'm capable of, 
and preventing yourself from backsliding into your old habits, old routines that you know you want to step above. Uh, just understanding that there is going to be the roller coaster and you can mitigate that, um, I would say are two of the most important things. Well, Brandon, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. We're all excited to see what the future for Beanie and Blazer is and see what the future has for you. Thank you so much, Alex. It's been an awesome time talking with you. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full-length episodes in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.